If you have your Bible, turn with me to Matthew chapter 21. Matthew 21, we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 11. Today is known as Palm Sunday. And it's called Palm Sunday because of this passage of Scripture we're going to be reading here this morning. But the the phrase that I want us to keep in mind this morning is a phrase that you heard sung in our cantata. It's a phrase you've heard shouted before. It's a phrase you're going to read about here, and that is the phrase, Hosanna. Hosanna is one of these fancy, churchy Easter words that, that we shout and we sing and we put up on images and we, we celebrate, but most of us don't really know what it means. Right? It's a, a word that is shouted in praise, of course, But the meaning of the word Hosanna literally is a cry, save us. And so when we think of the word Hosanna this morning, let it be a reminder that this is a cry, a cry to God that he would save us. We're going to look at Palm Sunday this morning. And in Matthew 21, we're going to read the first 11 verses. We're primarily going to be right here. We're going to jump to one other gospel for for just a brief time. But but you can follow along on the screen or open the Bible in front of you. And I want us to read together this shout of praise, Hosanna, from the people in Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 11. It says, Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethpage, to the Mount of Olives, uh, then the disciples, Jesus, uh, then Jesus' disciples uh, sent two of his disciples, excuse me, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on the coal, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up, saying, Who is this? And the crowd said, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. As we celebrate Palm Sunday, it's a celebration of this event, one week before the crucifixion of Christ, when Jesus comes into Jerusalem riding on the foal of a donkey, and everyone takes their cloaks and throws them on the ground to make a smooth path for him. They take palm branches, and they lay them before him so that he has something to walk on besides a dirt road. And they scream and they shout, Hosanna, save us. I'm going to look this morning at at what this event really means. What is happening? What is going on as Jesus is coming into Jerusalem? And I want us to understand that, that what the people are asking is not what Jesus is coming for. And I wonder this morning if, if we have ever cried out to Jesus, save us. 
But what Jesus has in store for us is not what we are crying out for. As we look this morning, I, I want to look at Jesus' entry into Jerusalem in, in, in three different ways. And the first way I want us to, to look at it is, is this. Jesus' entry was premeditated. It was intentional. This entry into Jerusalem isn't just him coming into the city. It is the last week of his life. What many of us refer to as Passion Week. It kicks off with Palm Sunday and continues throughout the week leading up to what will be Good Friday, the crucifixion of Christ, and Easter Sunday, the resurrection of Christ. This act of Jesus entering Jerusalem is his acknowledgement that I am coming to die on the cross and save mankind from sins. And it was not an accident. It was premeditated and thought out. Jesus had every intention of having his disciples fawn over him as he entered the city. He had every intention of, of riding in on a donkey. As a matter of fact, we can see the premeditation in Jesus' mind by, by his performing of what really is a miracle that maybe we forget is a miracle. He, he looks at his disciples and he says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go into the village and you're going to find a donkey and a young foal or a colt. I want you to go and tell the owner, I'm taking these because Christ needs them. Jesus needs these. And you're just going to walk off with them. If anyone says, what are you doing? You say, the Messiah needs them. Jesus needs them. Christ needs them. Your master needs them. Well, here the disciples go into a stranger who obviously doesn't know them from anyone. And they, they look at him and they say, we're going to take your donkey and your colt and the master needs them. And, and for some miraculous reason, this owner just says, okay, go right ahead. This is a plan Jesus had been formulating. Maybe this was Jesus supernaturally working and, and getting permission without ever talking. Or, or maybe there was some premeditation where Jesus had already gone into the village, talked to the owner and said, I'm going to need your two animals. I'm going to borrow them for a little while. I'm sending two of my disciples. However you want to look at it, Jesus had set this whole thing up. And we read that in verse 6. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. Everything that Jesus said happened. It was intentional. It was thought out. And it wasn't as if Jesus was saying, we're going to see where this week goes. Jesus was saying, I'm starting this week off. It's not as if Jesus is going, I, I hope this ends well. He is saying, I know this doesn't end well for me. But I'm setting everything in place. But really, this was premeditated not just for the week. This has been premeditated for, for all of human history. It, it's not inconsequential that there's a prophecy mentioned in an Old Testament scripture quoted here in this passage. As a matter of fact, there, there's a quote from Zechariah 9.9. And in verse 4, we're kind of told, this has been set up from the prophets from the very beginning. It's going to take place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. This is something that Jesus had in mind before he was born. Hundreds of years earlier, he had set this plan in motion. If you really want to go back, this plan was set in motion all the way back in Genesis chapter 3. Once Adam and Eve fall into sin, what happens? 
God pronounces curses, but specifically he looks at the serpent and he says, here's what's going to go down. There's going to be enmity between you and the woman, between your descendants and her descendants. And what's going to happen is you're going to strike the descendant of the woman on the heel and he's going to crush your head. Genesis chapter 3. What this is, it's a symbol of, of Satan trying to attack the Messiah, but the Messiah having ultimate victory. This is a, a picture of the cross in Genesis chapter 3. If you want to go back even further, you can really blow your mind if you start to ask the question, did God know all this was going to happen before the six days of creation? And the answer is yes. Before any of it was set into motion, before he spoke the stars into existence, he had a plan of redemption. There was already set in place and in mind that you would be sitting here on a Sunday morning, a week before Easter 2019, and you would hear a message of how the Messiah came and died for you. It was no accident what takes place in the coming week. There was no plan B, well, I guess I'm going to get arrested now and this is a good enough time. No, Jesus sets this in motion. His entry into the city is premeditated and thought out. He intentionally went to the cross. As we think about this entry into Jerusalem, not only do we find that it's premeditated, but it's extremely humble. Have you ever wanted something but got something different? You you weren't expecting it was almost a surprise. It wasn't necessarily bad. It's just not what you wanted. I can remember when our kids were especially smaller than they are now. There were times that they would get gifts and you tell them, I'm, I'm going to give you a gift. I'm bringing you home a gift and, and I can't wait for you to see it. I, maybe I'd be out of town and I'd be bringing it back. And often they'd have hyped up in their head what they wanted. And I can still hear their words when I handed them the gift that I thought they would love. And they smiled and go, ah. Oh, it's not what I was expecting, you know. Thanks, <laughs> right? Sometimes you receive something and it's, it's good, but it's not what you wanted. This is kind of what's going on here with Jesus' entry into Jerusalem. You see, the people are shouting, Hosanna, save us. But what they're wanting saved from is not what Jesus has come to save them from. It's interesting to, to read about the animal that Jesus rode in on. Now, if you remember, there's, there's two animals that the disciples go and they get, a donkey and a colt. Well, when you add in the Zechariah 9 prophecy, you know this colt is not a, a horse colt. It's a donkey colt, a baby donkey. Now, if you were shouting praises to a king, how would you expect a king to enter a city? Well, I, I picture them on a, a large white stallion, right? A, a, a strong horse. By the way, this is the picture we get in, in the book of Revelation. This is the picture we get of, of Christ entering in uh, to the second coming and ushering in eternity. A conquering king. And so here the people are looking for a conquering king. And what do they get? They get Jesus riding in, not on a stallion, but on a donkey. Not on a full-grown donkey, riding in on a baby donkey, right? This is not a prideful march into the city of Jerusalem. Matthew 21, 7 says they brought the donkey and the colt and they put, them, uh, put on them their, their cloaks and he sat on them. Not on a horse, according to Zechariah 9, not on a donkey, on a baby. 
This is a, a intentional, humble entrance into the city. The people were expecting salvation from, from government authorities. The people of Israel had been oppressed for hundreds of years. And so what they're expecting is for a Messiah to come and finally overthrow Rome. Save us. Hosanna, our King. Help us overcome. And Jesus doesn't come in as a conquering king, but instead he comes in as a humble servant. Not riding on a horse, not riding on a donkey, riding on the colt of a donkey. I would imagine some of his disciples scratched their heads and, and thought, well, where is this king? He couldn't have got a better beast of burden. He couldn't have got a, a, a more noble steed. But Jesus' intention was never to come in and conquer Rome. Jesus' intention was to come in and conquer sin. We see his entrance into the city is one of, of humility, one of, of service. And as the people cry out, save us, Jesus intended to save them. But it was not what they were expecting. I think the last aspect of this entry that we can look at is, is how ironic it was. Jesus' entry was so ironic in so many ways. He certainly did come in to save the people, but not the way they wanted. He certainly did come in as royalty and as a king, but, but not the king that they were looking for. Look what they, they cry out as he enters the city. This is the disciples screaming as Jesus walks into the city. The crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Save us, son of David. Don't miss this phrase, son of David. Son of David is a direct reference to a particular person in history. And that is the greatest king that Israel had ever had. You are the next coming of the king of David. As a matter of fact, we read in Luke. You don't have to turn there. You can look on the screen. Luke specifically says they called him a king. They shouted, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. They're worshiping Jesus as their new king. And oh, the irony of what sent Jesus to the cross. It wasn't because he was truly a blasphemer. It wasn't because he had done any wrong. It was because he was accused by the officials of being the king of the Jews. As a matter of fact, when Jesus dies on a, a cross, each criminal that would have been crucified would have had an inscription over his head relaying the crime. For one, it might say murderer. For another, it might say blasphemer. For another, it might have some outrageous crime, adultery, or, or whatever it might be. Above the head of Jesus was an inscription listing his crime that simply read, King of the Jews. Oh, the irony that the people... The people shouted, save us, O king, and then crucified him because he was the king. You know, sometimes we, we look to Jesus for something, but he doesn't give us what we're expecting. We want Jesus to fix all of our problems in life, but, but Jesus didn't come to save us from our problems of life. 
We look to Jesus and, and want him to, to heal us, but Jesus didn't always come specifically to heal us physically. We look to Jesus and we ask him to, to help our relationships with people, but Jesus didn't come simply to fix our relationships with people. We look to Jesus and we say, we know you can save us, but we, we ironically miss what he came to save us from. As we celebrate Palm Sunday and Passion Week and look to Easter, can we acknowledge what the disciples missed? That Jesus has come not to save us from people or oppression or difficulty, but he's come to save us from condemnation and sin. We have forgiveness because Jesus Christ intentionally went to the cross. Our sins are forgiven because Jesus Christ is the conquering king. We have forgiveness not because Jesus came with a sword, but because Jesus brought nails. As we celebrate Easter, we cry out, Lord, would you save us? As we close, I wonder what we've been asking Jesus to save us from. Certainly we have requests that he wants to hear. Lord, heal Lord, help. Lord, fix. But have we ever taken a moment to pray, Lord, forgive? This morning, as we come to our, our close, I, I would ask you to bow your heads with me and ask, Lord, have I asked you to save me from my sin and my guilt? Let's pray together. Father, we cry out to you this morning, Hosanna. And in so many ways, we need saving. Or in so many earthly manners, we ask you to, to save us, to help us, to heal us. Lord, this morning we know you came not to, to make our life easy, but to make our life redeemed. Lord, we thank you that there will come a time when you will ride in on a horse and you will conquer all of these problems and all of these issues and all of these worries. But for now, Lord, we, we ask that you would make our relationship right with you. Lord, we ask for forgiveness. We ask for mercy and grace. We ask that you would be the king of our hearts as we submit to you in worship. Lord, we cry out this morning with a right heart and a right attitude. Lord, would you save us? It's in your name we pray. Amen.